You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. This is your Packers update, the daily cheese, brought to you by Packernet.com and lovingly powered by Overtime Media. The daily cheese is a collaboration with the Packernet podcast, hosted by Ryan Schlipp, the Pack Daddy, and I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Well, it's Bears week, the very best of weeks. We're going to look at the playoff picture. We're going to look at some math. If you're listening to this podcast via the Packernet podcast, as most of you are, uh, Ryan did touch on this a bit this morning, but I was already planning on doing this anyways, and I have some additional numbers for you, some different playoff implications. If you're not interested in that, then real quick, let's touch on injuries and roster moves, and then you can be on your way, and anybody who cares about the playoffs, stick around. So David Bakhtiari was officially placed on injured reserve. Uh, guard Ben Braden was signed to the active roster from the practice squad. Ben Braden has used up all of his eligible elevations for the regular season. With Bakhtiari out, Ben Braden was the next guy that they felt comfortable having on the roster spot as that backup O-lineman. I was curious if we would see Mr. Yash Nijman. Unfortunately, Looks like Ben Braden gets it over him, although Yash Nijman is on the active roster. It's strange that he's not getting snaps. I want to talk about Yash for a second, but first let me just hit these last two. Uh, Defensive lineman Anthony Rush, who was cut to make room for snacks. Actually, this is the second time this year that he has been cut by a team to make room for snacks because he was a Seahawk before the Packers picked him up. Signed to the practice squad, he did clear waivers. And then defensive lineman Brian Price, the only elevation from the practice squad to the active roster for the Bears game. Shout out to Yash. Yesterday was his birthday. He is 25 years old. Yash is playing on special teams a bit. He did come in for three snaps on offense against Tennessee. I would almost guarantee that those were the kneel downs at the end of the game because Tim Boyle also played three snaps. Yash has played on special teams in 100% of the games this year. He played five snaps on offense in week two against Detroit, four against San Francisco. In those two games, Tim Boyle took two snaps against Detroit and one against San Francisco. So Yash did actually play some meaningful snaps, but we're talking fewer than five in each. Other than that, his only offensive snaps this year have come against Chicago. The last time we played, he had two snaps, which correlates with Tim Boyle's two kneel downs. Disappointing for Yash. Now, the Packers do like to keep a essentially red shirt offensive lineman on their roster a lot of the time, but... I think I was really hoping to see Yash used a lot more frequently. I'm thinking part of the issue here is that we have guys like Rick Wagner and Elton Jenkins who are very versatile. Yash seems to only be able to play tackle, so a lot of the time you'll see Elton or Billy Turner or Rick Wagner kicked out to one of the tackle spots, and then Lucas Patrick and John Runyon and Ben Braden seem to be taking up those guard spots. I think that is what has been hamstringing Yash Nijman. Offensive line coach Adam Stenovich, assistant offensive line coach Luke Buckus, almost said Dick Buckus, Nathaniel Hackett, and Matt LaFleur all really like versatile O-linemen. John Runyon had two games this year where he took 50 snaps exactly, and a third where he took 31. Another guy to keep an eye on would be Simon Stepniak. He's been on not injured reserve, but I believe it's non-football injury lists um, all year long and only has been eligible to play, I think, the Tennessee game. 
But the fact that the team continues to keep Yash on the active roster despite needing to find room for guys like Snacks Harrison indicates that they do still like him for the future. Yash kind of falls in that camp of players who are kind of physical freaks and need some refining on the mental side of the game. I was really hoping that at this point, it is 1230 Eastern time where I'm recording, I was hoping that we would have an indication about active versus inactive players for the game. Unfortunately, we're going to have to go off of the latest injury report instead. Kingsley Kiki out. No surprise there. He didn't participate in practice all week. He's going through concussion protocol. That probably means we do see Snacks Harrison, at least in some capacity. Simon Stepniak, questionable. He did practice all week long, full participant. It would be kind of weird if he's not active, but he also has not played this year. Equinemius, Zadarius, Al Lazard, and Kevin King were all pretty limited in practice this week, but this is a must-win game. I would be shocked if any of them are out. None of them even carry a questionable designation on the injury report. Over on the Bears' side of the ball, Dion Bush, questionable. He did not practice for most of the game, was limited, very limited on Friday. Safety Tayshawn Gibson is listed as questionable. He was a full participant all week. Gotta imagine he plays, especially given the fact that Buster Screen and Jalen Johnson are both out. They've been out for a couple days now. So that leaves Kyle Fuller as the only cornerback, minus a couple basically practice squad guys. So any help you can give him at safety is going to be massive. Titans Cole Komet and Demetrius Harris have both been trending in the wrong direction. They started out the week full participant, have gotten more and more limited as the week goes on. They are listed as questionable. Cole Komet being out would be a big deal because Jimmy Graham cannot block, and Cole Komet is a monster in the blocking game. Wide receiver slash punt and kick returner Cordell Patterson, questionable. Uh, He was limited on Thursday, but full participant the rest of the week. Have to imagine he plays. Would be really nice if he doesn't. Our special teams needs all the help it can get. So now we got the big one. Allen Robinson, full participant on Wednesday, did not participate Thursday, limited on Friday does not carry a questionable designation. Don't really know what to tell you. Uh, He should play. It would be ridiculous to not force him to play at this point because if you lose, the season is almost over. We will talk about that in just a second. But Allen Robinson is a must for this game if you are the Bears. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Okay, that does it for injuries and transactions. If you want to hear about playoffs, then stick around because I got some cool numbers for you. Let's start by looking at the current playoff picture. This is basically just for the NFC. I can touch on the AFC a little bit at the end, but we all care about the NFC here. As it stands currently, uh, Green Bay is the number one seed. Green Bay is the only team that would get the bye, of course, and have home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. 
New Orleans is the second seed. Seattle is the third seed. Washington is currently leading their division, so they would have the fourth seed, even though their record is six and nine. Tampa Bay is the fifth seed. They are at 10 and five. LA Rams are at the sixth seed, nine and six. And bringing up the rear, the Chicago Bears are currently in the playoffs at eight and seven and the number seven seed. Interestingly, all seven of the playoff seeds in the NFC are actually up for grabs a little bit here. Nothing is set in stone. That is not true in the AFC. Some of the playoff berths in the AFC are locked in. The Packers have one of the simplest routes to their playoff spot. If they beat Chicago, they are guaranteed the number one seed. If they lose to Chicago and the Seahawks lose to the 49ers, they get the number one seed. The only other two playoff spots that are possible for the Packers are the number two and number three seeds. This is where it gets interesting because the Saints, Seahawks, and Packers could all potentially have the same record as each other, and then you have to look at tiebreakers. However, a two-way tie and a three-way tie are actually broken differently. The Saints win a three-way tie, the Packers win a two-way tie with the Saints, but the Seahawks win a two-way tie with the Packers. So that means if the Packers lose and the Saints win, the Saints also need the Seahawks to win because the Saints only win a tie with the Packers if it's a three-way tie. The Rams, interestingly, are not a guaranteed lock for the playoffs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the only wildcard team that is guaranteed to be in the playoffs. The remaining two NFC wildcard spots are being fought over by the Rams, Cardinals, and Bears. Now, the Rams do have the highest odds of getting into the playoffs. They have an 83% chance of being in. But the Seahawks have won the division, therefore the Rams will have to be a wildcard team. The Rams could be as high as the number 5 seed if the Buccaneers lose to the Falcons. The Bears have a 72% chance of making the playoffs as either the 6th seed or the 7th seed. They cannot be any higher. If the Bears beat the Packers today, they are guaranteed to be in the playoffs. However, they don't have to beat the Packers to get in, as long as the Cardinals lose to the Rams. Tampa did earn a playoff spot. However, they are playing for the number five seed, which would match them up against the winner of the NFC East. They have an 82% chance of making the number five seed. If they lose to the Falcons, that number drops to 46%, and it does depend on the Cardinals-Rams outcome. But Tampa can only be the number five or number six seed. Those are the only options. And whether it's the Rams or the Buccaneers, whoever gets that number five seed will be matched up against the NFC East winner which does feel like almost a guaranteed win. Washington currently owns that spot, and they have a 49% chance to retain it. All they have to do today is beat the Eagles, who have been eliminated from the playoffs. Dallas Cowboys have the second highest odds at 29%. They play the Giants today and are favored slightly to win. If Washington loses to Philadelphia, the winner of the Cowboys-Giants game gets into the playoffs as the number four seed and has home field advantage the first week of the playoffs. It is impossible for the NFC East winner to have a winning record this year. The very best record that any team could have would be 7-9, although it is possible for a 6-9-1 team to win the division if Washington loses and the Cowboys and Giants tie. And since the Cowboys beat the Giants earlier this year, they would be the ones to advance to the playoffs in the event of a 6-9-1 tied record. So, here are the really meaningful games that are up in the air today. First, the Packers just need to beat the Bears. Take care of business, and you get the number one seed, and you don't play next week. If they lose to the Bears today, they probably play the Bears again next week or the Arizona Cardinals. Eventually, they would almost certainly have to go on the road to Seattle or New Orleans. If they get that first round by, it's very likely that Drew Brees or Tom Brady will eventually have to come to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field to settle the NFC Championship game. Now, Seattle does play the 49ers today, but that game is almost a lock for Seattle. 
If they manage to lose to the 49ers, I will throw my head back and laugh. The Saints are a different story, though. They play the division rival Panthers, who are a good team. They have a bad record, but every one of their games has been very close, with the exception of the times that they played Tampa. Not only that, but all of the Saints running backs are out. Alvin Kamara tested positive for COVID, and the rest of the running back room, including Latavius Murray, have to be quarantined. That leaves former Packer wide receiver slash running back Ty Montgomery and former Packers quarterback Taysom Hill as the only options to run the ball. I'm predicting Carolina wins this game. This would leave the Saints matched up with, I predict, the Arizona Cardinals. That's because although Los Angeles is the better team, they are missing Jared Goff. A guy named John Wolford will be playing quarterback for the Rams today. Ever heard of him? Unless you watch the AAF, you probably haven't. Blake Bortles will be the backup quarterback. I would not be surprised to see him come in toward the end of the game if the team is losing. So this leaves the two NFC East games. Philly has a chance to play spoiler and defeat the Washington football team. Their offense has really come alive since benching Carson Wentz for Jalen Hurts. I do expect them to find a way to win here. That being said, Alex Smith has been activated for this game. He will be the starting quarterback, and Washington actually has something to play for. So it should be a very competitive game. Dallas versus New York, I really don't think is close. New York was very hot for a while, but they have since fallen off. They clearly have a better defense than Dallas does, but just no offense. At the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter who wins that division because they will be hosting Tampa Bay in the wildcard round next week, and Tom Brady is on fire. Now, their defense has fallen off significantly. In the last few weeks, minus the Vikings and Lions games, they have allowed 27 points to the Falcons, 27 to the Chiefs, 27 to the Rams, 23 to the Panthers, and 38 to the Saints. Actually, the only good games that the Buccaneers have had defensively this year have been against the NFC North, one game against the Denver Broncos, and the Carolina Panthers. I do not believe in this defense, but the offense, however, is humming. If the Packers wrap up that number one seed, it seems very likely that their first game will be against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Lambeau. So let's kick the Bears' butts. Go Pack Go! That does it for today. For more in-depth analysis on the Packers and a look at Packers strategy, make sure you're subscribed to the Packernet Podcast, hosted by the Pack Daddy, Ryan Schlipp. Keep up on all the Green Bay Packers news by going to packernet.com and join the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. My name is JJ Leahy, and this has been The Daily Cheese your Green Bay Packers news update.